Now today, for something completely different, uh, we have we gave you a Christmas present. Um, well, the church gave you a Christmas present, and uh, the Christmas present was a book for for every household. <laughs> if you didn't get one, there are still four copies out there, and you can take one. And they're still wrapped and you can pretend it's Christmas and it's all exciting, but you will know what's in it. It's a book. And uh, we have talked in leadership for a long time just about moving forward in discipleship and increasing capacity in terms of the church loving and caring for one another and developing and deepening relationships with one another and creating strong uh, communities and little sort of mini communities within the church where people can can journey together and with a lot of thought and looking at a lot of different things we could do we we landed on on this emotionally healthy spirituality course and book by a new yorker called pete scazzaro uh, who in his tagline for the book says it is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And to try to put that in simple terms, a spiritually mature person, their mature spirituality will overflow into their relationships and how they connect with other people, how they journey with other people uh, in being emotionally adult rather than being children. And a caveat just before we begin, as we talk a lot about maturity here, please do not think that we have sat down, scratched our heads and said, goodness me, everyone at table is remarkably immature. What are we going to do about it? Quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. It's more uh, the, the inspiration and the impetus behind it is that we have a beautiful community here. So let's strengthen it, let's protect it, let's develop relationships that are unshakable, let's increase our capacity to grow and to love others. That's the heart behind it, uh, rather than any concerns regarding immaturity. Um, I'm very wary of statements that bounce around in Christian circles in early January every year and start off with the words, this is the year of... <laughs> Because you'll, you'll get that and you'll, you'll get it in just remarkable, weird, odd things will be said, usually to do with finances and the like of that. But I heard a great one this year in January. It was actually, I noted it, it was the 2nd of January. It, it, it actually, it was in the prayer meeting and it was uh, Ashley Craig. And he said, as we were praying, one of the, he said, you, you said, um, this is the year of leaving childish things behind thought just that was interesting tying in with our thoughts regarding this and, and a drive to, to mature and to, to deepen. Immaturity in the church has always been a problem right from the very early days. Listen to Paul as he writes to the Corinthians. He says to them, in my own case, dear family, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people, but as people who were all too obviously merely human little babies in the Messiah. I fed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't able to take it. And you still can't, even now. You're still determined to live in the old way. Yes, wherever there is jealousy and quarreling, doesn't that mean you're living in the old way, behaving as any merely human being might do? 
When someone says, I'm with Paul, and someone else says, I'm with Apollos, are you not mere humans? So Paul saw this immaturity in the Corinthian church. I just, I'd love, once the guy who makes the Chosen TV series is done with that, I want him to make a series on Corinthians and Paul, because I think it would be extremely good. Uh, and then the writer to the Hebrews addresses it as well. And he or she says, we have plenty to say about all this. But it may be hard to make it clear because your capacity to take things in has become sluggish. Yes, by now you really should have become teachers, but you need someone to teach you the basic elementary beginnings of God's oracles. You need milk, not solid food. Everyone who drinks milk, you see, is unskilled in the word of God's justice. Such people are just babies. Mature people need solid food, and by mature, I mean people whose faculties have been trained by practice to distinguish good from evil. Society at large is struggling due to adults who act like children. I remember talking to the father of an unruly teenage girl, and listening to him moaning about her made me realize he was just acting like her brother rather than acting like her father. He was not being an adult in the situation. He was getting on like a sibling who was just irritated with her. Workplace relationships can fray because people respond to challenges and conflicts like toddlers in grown-up bodies. Demanding, selfish, unreasonable. Families are shattered by division and the family of God too frequently looks the same. Society lacks maturity. And I think that this time next year, you're probably going to see that on a global, globally watched scale because the man who is likely to be the next president of the United States is like a caricature of this, of a child in the body of a 78-year-old throwing toys out of the pram every time he doesn't get his way. Society lacks maturity. Wouldn't be good if the church was renowned for maturity. Adults who know Jesus, who know their own hearts, who know the hearts of one another and know how to relate to one another, who can handle conflict without going to war. And what society does with the emotions that they don't know how to handle is that they numb them with various addictions, constant stimulation, noise, entertainment, avoid anything that, that causes them to have to deal with the emotions deep inside them. Whereas God's people say, search me God and know my heart. Search me God and know my heart. What we're going to do this morning is a wee bit different. I'm, I'm going to just bring a, a couple of brief thoughts here from Ephesians 4. And then Linda's going to bring some, some of her wisdom and experience to the picture as well. And then I'll tell you practically what, what this journey should look like for us as a church. In Ephesians 4, what has happened in Ephesians up to this point in Ephesians 4 is that the first three chapters explain what God has done in Christ to create a new people. It's the first half of the letter to the Ephesians. In, at the start of chapter 4, he talks about unity and then he goes on to talk about gifts in the church. So from verses 11 onwards, 
he says Christ gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Paul wants these gifts <clears throat> to function within the church, to equip the church, to unite the church, and to bring the church to maturity. And in verse 14, he then gives three pictures or three images of immaturity. Verse 14 says, We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. The first image that he has for immaturity is the image of infants, very young children, unpredictable, demanding, volatile, attention-seeking, able to just turn your world upside down, able to, to command the attention of a room in a moment. Thankfully, nobody this morning's playing ball just yet. Uh, but that's, that's his first image for, for immaturity, childish, childish. And the second one is he uses the picture of waves, of the sea churning and how the waves throw things around. And in the Bible, the image of a stormy sea is the, is the image of the source of evil and chaos and disruption. The Jews did not like taking to the waters of the sea. Lakes, fine seas, they did not like. You think of Daniel 7, there is a picture of a of chaotic sea and these four beasts come up out of it. It is seen as being the source of evil and threat. So we have the, the childishness, we have the waves and the chaos of the sea and then we have the wind. And we saw plenty of wind uh, last Sunday night and, and Tuesday wrecking about the country. With the, the wind will move things that are unstable, that are not solidly fixed exposes instability childishness chaotic waves winds blowing around that which is unstable and what paul then does is instead of these three images of immaturity he presents three ingredients for maturity in verses 15 and 16 let me read them and then i'll zone in Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. I'll get to verse 16 in a minute. Got jumbled up in my slides. Paul begins his alternative here with instead. In other words, what he's just said about the immaturity, the childishness, the waves, the wind, the instability... He says, now don't be like that, here's the alternative. Be like this instead. And his three ingredients for maturity, the first one is love. Love. Uh, which is mentioned in verse 15 and in verse 16. Speaking the truth in love and then the, the body building itself up in love. And that's the word everybody knows. If you only know one Greek word, you know this one, agape. Unconditional love. Love that you choose to give. 
not expecting anything in return other than the joy of just doing what Jesus designed you to do, to love one another. It's not like when you love a particular type of food or a particular movie or a particular song or a particular pastime and you love those things because of what you get out of them. It is unconditional love that you choose to give to another. It creates security, it creates safety, it creates trust. And maturity will come in the body of Christ when we choose to love like that. The second ingredient for maturity in these verses is truth. And in, in your English Bible it says there, speaking the truth. The Greek word speaking is not there. In the original text. What it actually says. Instead of it saying. Speaking the truth in love. In Greek it wonderfully says. Truthing in love. It's a verb. Truthing. And sometimes I wonder. And, and this, this sort of. There's always one or two points. In my prep for a Sunday morning. That just gunk me a bit. And this was my gunk for the week. I wonder have we missed the aspect of what truthing in love actually looks like. Do we think it means I'm going to tell you the truth about you? <laughs> As in you need to hear some hard truths about yourself and I believe I'm the one God has chosen to tell you. And I love you and I'm going to give you some hard truths about you. We, that's sometimes how we would look at that verse. And it's how I've looked at it in the past. Almost as license to shoot some truth bullets at somebody. Um, and, and say some things that need to be said. There might be some aspect of that. But I got a bit of a gunk when I realised and I thought to myself. Rather than. I'm going to tell you the truth about you. Maybe it means I'm going to tell you the truth about me. That truthing in love is not just pointing out something or saying something or challenging somebody else, but it's actually yourself deciding to be truthful in that situation. Truthing in love. In this environment of love, I'm going to be truthful with you about who I am. And about how I feel. And I think we and I will mature more when we are less concerned with telling people the truth about them. And more concerned with telling them the truth about us. Maturity demands truthing. So that's two things so far. Love and truth. And then the third one is Jesus. <laughs> The third element in, in, this, in these verses regarding growing and maturity is that we only do this in connection with him. And as we embark on this, I would challenge you to, to just get that little bit more radical in your devotion. Just ramp it up a wee bit. Put it in a different gear. Ramp up your prayer life just a bit. Not out of obligation or out of duty, but because, Jesus, I want to mature, so I want to I lean into you more in prayer. Make an extra few minutes here and there to be with Jesus, to read his words, 
to hear his teaching, to watch him as he moves around Galilee and Capernaum and Jerusalem and just ramp it up that wee bit. Because the maturity comes when we are connected to him who is the head and from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love from him. So we, we need three elements as, as we seek to mature according to Paul in Ephesians 4. We need love, unconditional, agape, Christian love. We need truth, a willingness to be truthful about who we are, and we need Jesus. And the picture of instability and immaturity, the wind, the waves, the childishness, that, that was in the middle of chapter 4. When you get to the end of chapter 6, you get Paul repeatedly calling his people to stand, 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 stand firm. And note that it's a, it's a community project. This You don't mature in isolation. It's the way Jesus has designed his church. You mature in community. You have a ponder later about the fruit of the Spirit and see how much of it you can do on your own. You can't do any of it on your own. You can't. All of it comes out and is exercised in community and in relationship with others. And why now? I think, you know, we've, we've, we've had this sort of season, you know, discussing this and wondering about when, you know, what we should do. And it feels really good to be doing it now. Because it feels like there is a really beautiful sense just of community and trust. I, I've always had two criteria when it comes to giving my heart to people. And I didn't read this anywhere. It's just something really simple that, that I have myself. If I know that somebody loves me with that agape love. And if I know that they love Jesus. Then they will get my truth. If I'm doubtful about either of those two things, whether or not they really love me, whether or not they really love Jesus, I'll, I'll, I'll keep my distance. I'll keep my heart not closed, but I'll, I'll just not be as likely to splurge it all out. But in that environment where we know we're loved, these are the three things, the love, the truth, and the connection with Jesus. If I know that I'm loved, and if I know that that person also loves Jesus, then the truth will pour forth quite easily. Right, I'm done, apart from bringing you a couple of practicalities at the end. And Linda's going to come and bring some yeah, just a bit few wisdom from her world. Not very much. <clears throat> but Yeah, so basically, I've been praying a lot that... Lord, I want to go deeper. I just want to go deeper with you. Um, and I want that for us as a church. And I feel like that's been coming out in prayer meetings and stuff. You know, just, Lord, bring us deeper, deeper into you, deeper with each other. And I bet you there's not, like, one person here that doesn't want that, that doesn't want to go deeper. Um, to know Jesus deeper, to, to have more depth in your relationship with him um, and with each other. 
So therefore, this has just has evolved, and we just feel that we're being led by, <coughs> by the Spirit. Um, and the goal of the course um, and our meditations and considerations over the next season um, is to um, is to go deeper and to reach this new depth. And we believe that there will be an outworking in relationships. And David has already sort of touched on it there. Relation. This is another kind of theme for this, or another phrase or way of calling this is relational spirituality. So, because the outworking is in our relationships, relationship with God, relationship with each other, relationship with each with ourselves as well, because that's an important relationship too. Um, so that is why it is really important, because there's implications then for our church. Because we want this to be a safe space, a safe space where we can bring other people in, um, where people can receive healing, the power of community. So this needs to be a safe space. Um, and so even if you haven't signed up or planning to do the groups, we'd encourage you to read along into the book and we'll be sharing devotionals and things as well. Um, as you mature emotionally and in some cases heal emotionally, your relationships move to a different level. Um, it's funny, I've just finished a course on relationships in counselling. David's doing a course in, and his module is on relationships at the moment as well. Um, so it's just, this is what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus. Uh, it's love, Jesus says, what's the greatest commandment? Love God and love others um, so this is discipleship um, this is where it's at um, and because we can't love properly if we don't if we ignore this part of us it says in John thirteen thirty five, by this they will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another if this is truly a safe space we truly love each other um there is a warning, Paul Tripp, in one of his books, um, states it like this. Uh, he states it as a warning. He says, this is dangerous. It is dangerous to define Christian maturity by how biblically literate and theologically knowledgeable a person has become. So we're not dismissing the importance of being in the word. We love the word. That's one of our core values. It's so, so important. But that doesn't define maturity, Christian maturity. Um, and if we think that it does, that's dangerous. Because um, you can know it all. Um, you can know the Bible back to front and inside out and still be stunted in your growth and maturity as a disciple of Jesus if we neglect or ignore this part of us, this emotional part of us, this inner world that helps us to love well and to relate to others. Um, and doesn't it say in first corinthians it says and this is like totally blows my mind but first corinthians 13 verse 2 it says you know even though i have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so i could move mountains but have not love i'm nothing it means nothing mm -hmm. um i think that's incredible because you could have someone that is so prophetic and knows knows the bible inside out very very gifted very charismatic if this part of them is stunted or is immature, then it means nothing. Those are strong words. 
So our relationship with God, with ourself and with other people is what is crucial. Um, and I guess it's a, a paradigm shift um, because in our culture, there is this thing of wanting to be seen, wanting to influence. Um, but I love what Mark Sayers talks about in his um, Rebuilders podcast. He says, you know, we need to move from platforms to pillars. That's what our church needs, pillars, people of depth um, and maturity. And we are fearfully and wonderfully made, aren't we, Tim? We love that one. God has made us with emotions. <laughs> He's made us with emotions. God has emotions. And they are, are such an important part of us. In fact, they're part of our soul. Um, you know, a Selwyn Hughes, um, Christian counsellor that I um, learned a lot from, he talks about the soul being... Um, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Dallas Willard talks about the soul integrating the, the mind and the will and the emotion. So either way, it's an important part of our soul. My reading for today and my reading plan, Matthew 16, it says, you know, Jesus says, you know, what will... I'll just read it. <laughs> Get it right. It says, what good... Will it be for someone to gain the whole world but forfeit, forfeit their, their soul? And Dallas Willard makes the point, this is not about salvation, this is about our soul. This is about that inner life, that part of us that's so precious and so important, where we mature. So if we ignore, so emotions are such an important part of us, but like, why do we ignore them, minimize them, numb them, or avoid them? We do, like all of us as humans, we do it. And I see it all the time in my work, but you know what? I see it in me as well. Um, and it can, it can mask as godliness. You know, this is um, something probably that I ha don't do so much now, but in the past, and I still need to be careful, something like annoys me. Um, maybe in, in our relationship. My relationship with David doesn't happen very often. I'm very lucky, so um, he's very good. But, you know, as in all relationships, okay, if something happens and I'm feeling annoyed, do you know what I would have done? Don't do it so much anymore now. I had a thought to myself, do you know what? It's not godly to feel like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to push that away. I'm not going to, like, give that time of day. Um, but do you know what? You push it down doesn't go away it's not wise that's a sign of emotional immaturity so you know that mask itself is godliness but it's actually immaturity so you know as we do some soul searching together we might i think we'll learn some stuff about ourselves um and that's exciting and that's there's so much potential with that so we ignore our feelings, minimize them, numb them, or avoid them to the detriment of our soul and our spiritual life and our relationships. So we need a different approach. So whenever I was a dentist and I would be working on the surface of a tooth or the above, the part of a tooth above the gum, I use certain tools. If I'm going deeper and I'm going deep into the root of a tooth to do a root canal treatment, haven't done them in a few years now, 
um, I change my direction, I change tools. I need new means in order to get to those new depths. And I think <coughs> it's the same with us. This journey will involve us doing something new, learning about our emotions and where they come from, um, and caring for that part of us and attending to that part of us. Um, but actually, we're going to introduce you to this concept. Some of you will be very familiar with it, of contemplative spirituality. And it's the meeting and crossing of these two things, the attending to the emotions and the contemplative spirituality. And it's the, where the meeting of these occurs is the magic. Um, page 214 of this, there's a wee diagram that um, shows it actually perfectly. Um, you can have a wee look at it later on in your books. But... Up this axis, it says contemplative spirituality and across this way, emotional health. And it's, it's the integrating of these that is what we are planning to do in this season. And the lovely thing is about this diagram is that along the outside, it says loving God well, loving others well, loving yourself well. So that's going to be the outworking of that. Um, and this is, again, as I've said, transformation on a deep level. Um, yeah, there's one uh, sort of counselling slide here, if you don't mind. Um, this is called the Jahari window. I don't know if anyone has heard of it. Um, so basically we all have this. This applies to every human being. We have this quadrant which is known to self and known to others. We have a quadrant that is not known to self, but known to others, our blind spot. <laughs> we have this part which is not known to others, but known to self. And we have this, also, this other quadrant which is um, unknown. Not known to others, not known to self, but known by God. <laughs> so I've had this, just this picture, a lovely picture this past couple of days as I've been just thinking about this of light this is a Jahari window of God's light just breaking through the glass of that window into our souls um, and God's light is healing and restoring and um, powerful so I think what what I want to us to do um, if you're willing is just to invite the Lord to shine his light into every part of us. In Psalm 18, 28, it says, my God turns my darkness to light. And I think that's beautiful because that will, that will look like something that will not bounce off us. That light penetrates and transforms us and I think that's what we need as a body as smaller groups and as individuals we need his glorious light and so I'm going to pray just in a wee minute or two and then David will come up again just with some practicalities around this I guess I just want to pray for us to surrender so that his light because like we have we can keep the curtains closed you know um or we can yield and open ourselves up to God's light. And I guess that takes courage and humility. If you think, you know, if, if anyone thinks, you know what, I am already emotionally mature, I've got it all sorted, then um, 
you, you know, you don't, you don't need to go on this journey. <laughs> well, you do. But, you know, we have a... We, our will, we have to, we have to um, enlist our will in this here um, and just say, Lord, come. And just, and we invite you. So we'll maybe just do that if you're willing. If you're willing and ready to go on this journey um, of going into new territory, the unknown. The unknown. So Lord, we just come before you, Lord. Um, and we welcome you, Lord in our hearts, in our souls, in our very depths, Lord, because we want to go deeper, Lord. We can't do it on our own. We need your glorious light, Lord, to shine into us, Lord, as individuals, Lord, and in small groups, Lord, and in our church body, Lord. We want you to come and to shine your light into every part of us, Lord. Light up any dark parts, God. We want more of you, and we want to go deeper with you and deeper with each other. <coughs> so that so that we can love you more, Lord. So that we can love you in a deeper way, Lord, and trust you in a deeper way, Lord. And so that we can love each other better and in a deeper way and in a purer way, Lord, and a more mature way, Lord because that glorifies you, Lord, and it says something to the world, Lord, as well. So we want that, Lord. And also, Lord, so we can be at peace with ourselves in who we are as individuals, Lord, in our relationship with ourselves, Lord, and be the best version of ourselves for the glory of God. So come, Lord, with your glorious light and bring us on this journey, Lord. Mm. We just want to give it all to you, Lord. And pray that, Lord, that you will lead us in this, Lord, and that you will do a supernatural, wonderful and powerful and deep, deep work, Lord. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. So a few practicalities in terms of what what we think it will look like uh, if you haven't signed up and you would like to sign up let me know please immediately after the service um, and I would, I would challenge you, encourage you, invite you make a sacrifice it'll be worth it um, some, some of you just won't be able to make this happen because of commitments or maybe you're already part of of something similar um, and even if you're not able to, to join a group I would say you'll still benefit greatly from reading the book and from any other resources that that we post that you have time to engage with uh, but by definition this happens in community and would just really encourage you to, to consider is there something I can shift is there something I can do differently that will allow allow me to sign up and, and to do this what you will need in terms of resources you'll need the book and you'll need a notebook for doing some journaling. Uh, and that's, that's all that's required. Uh, if you go to Audible website, uh, you will be able to do, if you're not an Audible member, you'll be able to do a 30-day free trial. 
And in your 30-day free trial, you get to get one free audiobook that you keep forever, even after the trial ends, and you can get this book on the audiobook. Uh, so you can listen to it as well. I've read the first chapter twice, and I listened to it then yesterday, and I picked up a lot just by listening to the author reading it himself. So you can get it there. If you're not a reader, play it in the car, play it when you're out for a walk, whatever. And, and then we are not going to do, do this every week because any, any sort of feedback I've heard about it or anything I've read about it is that it takes more than a week to actually process what you read. What you read is not difficult in terms of, it's not academic, it's not high level theology or any of that. It's very easy to read. The problem is when it hits your heart <laughs> and you have to deal with it, that's, I think, where a week probably isn't enough. Um, so, so we're gonna work on like a two week cycle um, and say, read. If you haven't already read chapter one, and you you get this list of ten indicators of emotional immaturity, and then I'm listening to it yesterday and thinking, yeah, I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm all right, and then like, oh no, <laughs> this is going to hit everybody. There's nobody sitting outside here with knowing everything. This is your heart's open. You're 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 gonna, you're going to feel this when it lands. Um, so so the first week, which would be beginning today all you do is read the chapter as many times as you want listen to it as many times as you want uh, and, and scribble a few things down in your notebook if you have a notebook or underline things in the book and write at the side of the book or whatever so that, that's that's the first week nothing more than that um there's no homework <laughs> praise god there's no homework you don't have to come with a with a sheet of questions that you have written your answers for you read the book and allow your allow the Holy Spirit to, to apply it to, to your heart. Uh, and then in the second week of, of each two-week cycle, uh, you will meet with your group. Now the group, we're going to try to put people into groups uh, now that now we've got you signed up. Um, groups, we don't envisage them being any bigger than about five. We're not talking about 12 people all landing in and getting pizzas and a whole rowdy session. We're talking small. Small so people feel comfortable, small so that they can contribute, small so that every voice can be heard, that nobody feels that they can't get a word in edgeways. So these are really small groups, all right? Uh, so probably about, about five or six uh, at the most. And when, when you arrive, there'll be, there'll be a host. So some of the groups might take place in people's houses, just depending on location and childcare and stuff like that. The group might occur in a house and, and there'll be a host. Uh, and they will give you the discussion material so the, the questions that, that are going to then be kicked around over the course of the evening, you don't get those in advance. Uh, you don't need them in advance and we don't want it to feel homeworky. So you just get them on that night and you talk about them when you're there. Uh, there's a very short video. The videos are, from what I can see, 15, 20 minutes and usually split into a couple of parts. Um, I would ask that you would pray together because what we're going to do to make sure that we don't overload anyone's schedule is on that every other week, you know, the week that you're meeting, we're not going to have the Tuesday night corporate prayer meeting that week. So it's going to run fortnightly during this. And we would ask that whenever you meet in your small group that you pray for a period of time for the church, for any needs that you're aware of. But the, the, the heart behind that is to make sure that it's not like, oh goodness, here's another night out. Um, to free up a wee bit of time for it. Um, and then there are going to be some optional resources as well that we'll chuck into the group. There's a daily devotional, and we'll, we'll post that each day. You can buy it if you want. I'm not buying it. 
uh, for you because I want to move over there and spend our money on that. Uh, and then the, this this is the workbook. Again, if you wanted to buy that, you can, but I'm I'm going to post the material electronically, so it's not necessary. Uh, and also, there's a podcast. I'll post that. I'll, I'll poach. Yeah, I suppose I'm poaching. Right? I'll post that each week. Uh, just a, a short half-hour podcast where he talks through each each chapter as well. If you want more, the success criteria, as as Linda mentioned there, and as Pete Scazzaro says in his book, the success of this will be measured by the positive changes in your relationships on three levels: with Jesus, with others, and with yourself. So that is the heart behind it all. Um, Linda has already prayed, we'll, we'll worship. Um, but if you haven't signed up, I'd really encourage you. And if you think, goodness, it's hard for me to get out of the house or whatever, this or that, we'll make it work that, that, that you can be part of this if you'd like to be. Let me pray again and then, then we'll sing.